Remarkable accomplishments are happening every day on the Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College campuses, from faculty instruction and research to student projects and community involvement. CMU Now is a monthly segment on the KAFM Community Affairs Hour, where we interview faculty, athletic coaches, and students to keep you up to date on all things CMU and WCCC. I'm Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host David Ludlam, and we'll have two guests on the show today, and our first guest is instructor and director of the new Outdoor Recreation Industry Studies program, Sarah Schrader. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come down and chat with David and I and the KFM listeners happy to be here. Great. Well, why don't we go ahead and jump right in. So you've been instrumental in helping to launch the new Outdoor Recreation Industry Studies program here at CMU. Um, And I think you were up for the job because of your extensive background working and owning an outdoor recreation industry business. But so for those listeners who maybe don't know you or haven't met you or haven't heard your story, can you give us a little bit more information on your background? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, So I own and operate a company called Bonsai Design. We're an outdoor recreation manufacturer. We design and build zip lines and aerial adventure courses all over the world. And I've been in that business 15 years. And during that time, I've really watched the outdoor industry grow. Um, in fact, a few years ago, they measured it as a percentage of the um, GDP in the federal government, and it's over 2% of the GDP, which is pretty remarkable. And so I think part of the reason why it was so exciting to think about CMU starting a new program um, that was really because of the workforce demand. These companies really need talented and skilled employees that have a robust understanding of what it takes to be in an outdoor industry business, whether that's uh, a manufacturer like ours or a service provider um, and or an entrepreneur. And so it's been really neat to build the program as a real multidisciplinary um understanding of you know how how the industry works and what the industry needs in from the next generation which is graduates of cmu which i love i love and we're lucky to have you on board and i'm really excited for this new program especially for our students thank you Mm -hmm. for sure and sarah i you know sometimes you look out on the political landscape and it's you know impossible to get anything done let alone in a bipartisan fashion but I know last week was a pretty big week for the outdoor recreation industry mm-hmm. from a legislative standpoint. There's some Cong- or Congress passed some legislation that I was wondering if it will be beneficial to the program. You know, we'll use it in the classroom. And, and maybe also, no matter what the, the bill itself does, does it symbolically send a message that, that Congress cares about, you know, what you do, outdoor recreation and what you're teaching? Yeah, it's really interesting. So for those of you who don't know, Congress just passed the Great American Outdoors Act, which gives the Land and Wildlife Conservation Fund permanent funding. So the LWCF is really what the the, the governing body that make, gives funding to maintain trails, national parks, national forest infrastructure for visitors. So it's a huge, important thing. And it has been two decades in the making. And one of our senators here in Colorado spearheaded the um, the bill and brought it to the finish line, which was really miraculous. Like you said, David, it's yeah. really hard to... You don't see that every day. No, you don't. And, and, and really, it's a huge win for the industry because... 
I try to equip people are like, well, what does it really mean? I try to equate it like, um, so right now, one of the most important parts of a rural economy like in Grand Junction or in the Grand Valley is our access to trails and our national parks, right? We This is what makes it such a great place to live here is the fact that we can hunt, fish, ride our mountain bikes, ski, um, uh, hike, run, all of it, right? From our front door, paddle the rivers. And that's why people want to live here. Well, the infrastructure, the trails that we so enjoy all of us doing all sorts of things the way they're funded is by volunteers and that is really not a great way to fund one of our most important infrastructures um, that make people want to live here I mean the trails are the reason why people want to live here and so it's a huge win because we're actually taking um, funds and putting them towards rebuilding trails, maintaining trails, maintaining national parks. So it's a hu- it's a really big deal. I think a bigger deal than a lot of people um, imagine it to be. So yes, we are very happy and the industry is very happy. But you'll still take volunteers where you can get them. <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> of course. And, you know, we still need that. It's, that's a great community builder as yeah. well. I mean, I think what what we see from the outdoor industry is how important it is not only for our physical health but for our community health and for what it does to bring pride and hope and people together and uh, we see that here in Grand Junction all the time and those Monday trail work days are really fun. Right. Great. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our first guest today is Director of the new Outdoor Recreation Industry Studies Program, Sarah Schrader. So let's dig into this new program a little bit more, you know, because as we've had conversations, I found it really interesting of just the depth of this program and maybe what you would initially think it's going to be like. And then when we start talking, you find out how multifaceted the degree is going to be and what graduates with this degree are going to be able to do. Um, So can you you know, tune us into a little bit more of what students can expect from the program and then what they're going to be able to do with it afterwards. Yeah, um, great question. It, it's interesting when this was brought to my attention, like, hey, is this something you're interested in spearheading? I did a bunch of research on all the outdoor rec industry degrees all over the country, and there are several of them. A lot of them are really focused on parks, recreation, and tourism, or adventure education, or outdoor education. And what we were seeing, um, we're seeing not only locally, but uh, from a statewide and a nationwide um, demand is really this workforce demand for uh, graduates to understand not only all of the technical field skills that are so important in the outdoor recreation industry, but also a lot of business and communication skills. So what I did was, um, in sort of doing this research, I assembled an advisory council of CEOs and VPs in the outdoor recreation industry. So we had, um, you know, a, a vice president of Aspen Ski Co. We had the director of the outdoor industry um office in the state of Colorado. We had the uh, CEOs and VPs in outdoor uh, manufacturing companies like Black Diamond and Icelandic. And we had um, all of these different, you know, the head of Colorado Outward Bound School, all of these different providers, sort of, as, as well as local folks, you know, the head of Bone Shaker Adventures, the head of MRP. Um, 
they came to us and said, these are the things we really want in graduates, and that's how we built the program. So really more from a workforce perspective, like, well, what, you know, because we want these students to get jobs when they're done. <laughs> What's the end goal? Right, that's the end goal. And in, 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 in an industry that they really love. And so, um, yeah, it's, I looked at the catalog and started building the program that way with courses that we already had. And then um, we added eight new OREC courses. And so those will be a combination of like outdoor industry business, community health, but also some technical field skills courses like swift water techniques and rescue and, um, you know, rock climbing and rope rescue. And so and those will teach the students risk management and how to think on your feet and how to work under pressure and how to communicate really effectively because you have to do that when you're working in the outdoor industry and you're leading a group of people. But also those can be translated to the workplace. I think one of the most interesting things was about the um, the advisory council. I did have a a really prominent um, international mountain guide who runs his own mountaineering company. Extremely talented fellow who lives here, and he said, you know, one of the things I need most from my guides when I hire them. Um, I can teach them a lot of the technical field skills, but I really need them to be able to communicate well and to be able to build a budget, read a financial statement, and understand a balance sheet. And that was really interesting because I think those are real important life skills to know. And um, so anyway, we'll be working with the business department and the, and the biology department and the environmental science department and the political science department. So there's, it's a really interesting uh, multifaceted uh, degree that we're really excited about. Yeah, I was going to say, and that's what I, I always love about CMU too. You know, you're just talking about all of the partners, whether they're local or on a state level, that get involved to really launch a program that's going to get our graduates careers and jobs after they're out of here. I think that's, you know, something really unique to CMU that that is always a focus. And I love hearing that with this new program that that's a continued focus. Yeah. For sure. Well, you can't have a podcast there without talking about COVID-19. So <laughs> I want to ask you something about that. Mm-hmm. When you imagine yourself living, say, in downtown Denver, you're in a flat, you know, with, depending on traffic, you're an hour and a half from the great outdoors, mm-hmm. um, high density, things like that. Has our access to the great outdoors here in Western Colorado, I mean, has it potentially even been a tool, an asset for our community, but also for people dealing with the pandemic from a mental health standpoint? And maybe even after the pandemic, is there a connection between mental health and the great outdoors? And will you be teaching that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know about everybody in this room, but I have felt really grateful to live here um, for the last three months. I mean, I'm always grateful to live here, but this has been an exceptional time to live in Western Colorado because with 74% public lands, we can go outside and we have great weather here. And so there's that's a pretty crucial thing to uh, not only mental health, but community health. And I know the pandemic has been a really tough time for a lot of people. And so we have had, um, you know, a really interesting approach in this community to uh, talk about how we can be outside in order to 
um, make sure that we're we're healthy, not only from a um, a uh, a um, uh, physical perspective, but also from a mental health perspective. The other thing I would say is, as far as community health, as soon as this program went public, which was probably in January or February when they started talking about this program and how we were going to unroll it, immediately the Mesa County Health Department, Mesa County Public Health, approached me and said, we want to teach a class because we see this as so crucial. The outdoor recreation and outdoor industry is so crucial to public health in all of our communities, from Palisade to Clifton to Orchard Mesa to Grand Junction, all the way to Fruta. This is an extremely important part of how we have hope and pride in our community, and we also spend time with our friends and family outdoors. Um, And there are scientific, there's so many scientific studies about how being outside, even just standing outside, you don't even have to do anything outside, (laughs) but just even being outside for a few minutes changes the way your brain is firing and and for the better. So we're kind of, we're kind of laughing as you said that, because it seems so obvious, you know, that that's true. But, you know, from an evolutionary biology standpoint, there's got to be something scientific behind staring into the flame of a campfire, standing outside on a trail. Is that going to be part of it? Because I don't think it is commonplace. I don't think everybody, especially mm-hmm. those that are from an urban environment, maybe understand that there's a there's a scientific evolutionary connection there that's worth thinking about, learning about maybe in your program. Yeah, so what this uh, OREC 350 is the community health class, and they're going to be talking a lot about... Um, uh, you know, that exact thing and, w- and that from all the way to wilderness therapy, because, you know, people with mental health problems, they actually have therapy programs where they put the they put them in the wilderness and with guides and they their brain changes. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. But that will also be I mean, that's a t- talked about extensively in a couple of the environmental science classes. And so it is something that everyone is collaborating with and, and getting on board with, and it's exciting to think that that will be one of the things that we really highlight in the program. That's great. Great. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our first guest today is CMU's Director of the Outdoor Recreation Industries, Industry Studies Program, Sarah Schrader. So Sarah, we're already at the end of our time together. This always goes by so quickly. But I think before we let you go today, I was hoping that if anybody's listening and they're thinking about maybe coming back to school or coming to school, or they've got a son or a daughter or neighbor or friend, and this has been piquing their interest, the Outdoor Rec Studies Program, what would you say to them about why they should come and enroll in this program? Well, I do think um, I'm a big pro-education person. I grew up in a family where education was probably the most important part of my entire childhood. Um, but I, I, I will say that, uh, so not only will you be getting this really great multidisciplinary education program, but you will have the opportunity to pursue your own outdoor passion. And if you love the outdoors and you're passionate about um, the outdoors and outdoor adventure, it is really a great place to be because you'll not only be learning 
all of these extremely beneficial business skills, policy, understanding of policy, understanding of challenges that the outdoor rec industry has, but also all of the benefits and all of the most important parts of, um, you know, really why we are connected as human as humans. And so, and I mean, I'm personally super passionate about the outdoors. And so it's really easy for me to think, um, this is a great place to, to pursue your own passion and also get a fantastic education. Great. Well, I can't think of a better way to end today's segment. So thank you so much again, Sarah, for taking the time out and coming and talking to David and I and the KFM listeners. Yep. Thank thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, don't go anywhere because after a short break, we'll be right back with Western Colorado Community College Technical Instructor of Veterinary Technology, Catherine Whitney. Welcome back to CMU Now, a monthly show where we talk about the remarkable work that's happening at Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College. We'd like to welcome our second guest today, Western Colorado Community College Instructor of Veterinary Technology, Catherine Whitney. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Caitlin. Yeah, thank you for joining David and I. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule and to come down in the heat and chat with us and talk to our KFM listeners. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, so I'd have to assume that with working at WCCC's Veterinary Technology Program that you have to have a love of animals. Um so I'm, I'm assuming this, so I, wouldn't, I wanted to ask if this is true for you. And if so, how did you develop this love for animals and turn it into a career? Uh, excellent question. <laughs> so I've always loved animals. Um, in my younger years, uh, it was characterized by pure dumb joy. And by dumb, I mean just speechless. You don't have to analyze it. You don't have to think about it. You know, if there's 15 things in the room, it's the animal that holds your attention. I see that in our students. Um, and so we're, we're brought to it by the joy that we get from animals. Um, you know, over the years, and it's been more than two decades for me, too, in terms of working with a wide diversity of species, um, you know, I've come to realize that it's really some of our first, you know, cross-cultural communication. So when I teach uh, animal behavior, you know, there's a language barrier. And so um, the thing that we love, you know, slow down, paying attention, um, so it becomes, for me, it's become richer as, I, as I've gotten older and worked with a wide diversity of, of animals. And uh, I wish that for the students as well. You, you mentioned that it kind of bridges cultural divides. I noticed in your bio that you have worked all over the place. I mean, you've worked in, in Colorado and Alaska and Washington and even more interestingly in East Africa. And I suppose for most people who have never been to that continent, the cultures couldn't be more different. But did you find that... Uh, the way that people interact with animals in Africa, there's some common ground between our relationship with animals here, and does that help you with your teaching in the program? Absolutely, and I've had an adventurous life, but um, the human-animal bond is alive and well in all corners of the globe. Uh, there are cat ladies um, overseas, <laughs> too. You can become the village cat lady. Um, so it's always, you know, it's always lack of resources, um, you know, or unmet needs uh, that, you know, infringe upon, you know, good animal care. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, my first trip was in 2005, uh, and that was really transformative. Um it was helping uh, some enterprise development with some ladies in the village who were um, breeding swine. And, you know, what's good for the animal is good for the producer. Um, you know, we could say that even here on the Western Slope. Uh, but but also just being uh, immersed in a culture that uh, can find joy on its own, independent of 
uh, things and job titles and stuff. That was very, very enriching. That's really interesting to think about the cat cat lady motif being a global thing. But (laughs) speaking of cats, I I recently had an opportunity to join the students uh, at one of our local clinics and they were doing wellness checks on chickens and goats and and horses. And I think people think of pets as usually just being dogs and cats. But in this program, I think students get exposure to large animals, exotic animals, traditional dogs and cats. And, um, you know, is that useful for the the program being in kind of an area that does have a lot of agriculture or, and is it important for students to get that wide variety of exposure to not just the cat, but to all these, this wide range of animals? Absolutely. And the community support here on the Western Slope is, is profound. Um, but this is a lesser known degree and probably 60 to 70 percent of us um, go into clinical practice after we get the degree. And that's, again, working for the, the veterinarian on the corner. Um, you know, another 30 percent or more, uh, you know, goes to work in uh, government operations, um, you know, other forms of research and healthcare. Um, I'm told that here in Colorado, the 7% of us that have already done it all end up in education. Um, but yeah, so it's in two years, uh, we're trying to give them the Swiss Army knife of, of a degree. So, you know, everything from aquaculture to, um, you know, to working with wildlife, reptiles and amphibians. Um, and they each have a particular interest. So, um, you know, reaching out to community partners to augment that part of the curriculum is is part of what I'm after. I love that. I love, you know, anytime we can talk about our programs and how diverse they are and how we really try to prepare our students for a wide range of careers after they've graduated from the degree program. That's always interesting to hear. I was thinking recently about that adage, roots and wings. So again, with the community support, you know, some strong roots here, um, you know, in Grand Junction, but uh, the sky's the limit with this type of degree. I love that. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Fairs, and our second guest today is Technical Instructor of Veterinary Technology, Catherine Whitney. Um, so it's interesting that you've kind of mentioned twice now that community support um you know, organizations that help out, because that's one thing that I love about CMU and WCCC is I feel like we are really integrated into the community that we talk a lot with our businesses and organizations to find out workforce needs and then integrate them into the programs to give our students, you know, these hands-on experiences. Um, And I know there's been quite a few partners with the new veterinary technology program at WCCC, including the Mesa County Sheriff's Posse, Amigo Animal Clinic. So I was hoping you could just talk a little bit more about these partnerships and how they're going to really benefit our students in the program. You know, well, first, students can feel, they can feel the love. <laughs> they, they know that they are filling an, an important niche, um, and, you know, we need them to go forth and uh, do their thing. But um, Amigo Animal Clinic, the generosity of the team there, um, the collaborative spirit, um, the willingness to allow us to use um, their facilities or to host our students in the first clinicals, um, it, you know, that's quite remarkable. Um, I'm looking forward to working more with the Mesa County Sheriff's Posse. Um, this spring, during this crazy interim in history, uh, we were able to go out to farms on some excursions and students could work a cattle shoot and ultrasound some goats. And so we met a lot of those large animal needs just out in the field because we have a nice small group of students. Um, But in the future, when we're at full capacity with 20 or 30 students, um, using that um, arena and that facility, 
Uh, the sheriff's posse um, is going to be enormously important. We have a number of students who um, are coming to us. They ride rodeo, um, you know, or they're involved. They're, you know, uh, third generation cattle ranchers, and they definitely um, are ready for that uh, large animal or farm animal learning experience. That's amazing to hear. I love love getting to hear about those local partnerships. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our second guest today is WCCC Instructor of Veterinary Technology, Catherine Whitney. Catherine, you know, you've really given me something to think about. I've There's been times when I've wondered if people could love animals because I wondered if they're capable capable of the reciprocity that you need for, you know, love as you might typically define it. But you've really, the way you've described it has made me rethink that, and I I hope that for the listeners too, they can hear the love that you have for animals. I'm wondering, how do you, you kind of touched on this earlier, but how do you pass along that love to your students? And is there something in the coursework, um, a specific class, maybe a specific activity or a part of the discipline that you teach in the classroom that helps do that, transfer that love that you have to the students? Love to, that you have for animals <laughs> to the students and maybe to the students themselves. Well, thank you. I'm glad what I said was meaningful. Um, you know, slowing down and attention to detail. Um, we're going through that right now, too, where we've put them in clinics um, so they can have a more rounded concept of what's going on. I mean, book learning in isolation doesn't doesn't help. You need to see how the pieces and parts fit together. But, um, you know, even when you get to practice a clinical skill um, and you're doing a write-up for that uh, clinical uh clinical day, you know, your patient has a name. Um, and that vaccine you gave, you know, if it's in your hand, you're responsible for knowing exactly what it is. Um, so, yeah, I guess it, you know, just just time on task and uh, a deep breath and also know, know your normals. Like one of the best things um, veterinary professionals can do, you know, is study their own cats and dogs, horses, sheep um, when they're healthy, because knowing what is not normal um, is more important than anything in terms of uh, getting them the care they need. Could you expand on, you said every patient has a name and I, when you said that, you mean the, the animal? Correct. That, and, yes. that, and that's important. That might distinguish a good vet from a bad vet, per, perhaps, because you're, that, that imparts uh, the value you place on that patient as, as an animal. Is that, is that what that means, that phrase? Yeah, that animal is a story, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, the last part they have, you know, the connection with their father or, um, and then when we get our clients talking, again, these animal owners, when you get them talking, that's when um, the the animal bond really glows and it's a it's a teamwork that I um, always loved in clinical practice. Yeah I mean I know for me personally you know I've got a little one and a half year old yellow lab Tucker who's our baby right now yeah. and you know we really care for our pets and I think that's most anybody whether it's your goats or your chickens or your dog or your cat that you know you're entrusting the well-being of you know one of your family members when you take them into see a veterinarian technology person. So I think it's important to hear that from your side that you're not only teaching the technical skills, but that emotional, compassionate side of the practice too. Thank you. It's I, it's important to me that, you know, they have a sustainable, fulfilling career. It's given much to me and I, I hope they experience the same. You know, Caitlin, sometimes in our in the office, I get ganged up on by the dog people because I'm a goat person. And I've always advocated that goats, you know, are, are not that much different than dogs in terms of their loyalty and personalities and stuff. So I think I might have found an ally here <laughs> that'll help me advocate for goats. That's true. <laughs> the differences 
between individuals is greater than the differences between species from what I've seen in terms of, yeah, like the older I get, the more, uh, especially between mammals, you know, we're all mammals and um, the depth, the, the bond is, you know, each to its own kind, they display it in their own way. Perfect. Well, I think that's a great way to, to end our show today. So Catherine, thank you so much for coming on today and um, talking to the KFM listeners and David and I about the new WCCC Veterinary Technology Program. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. Well, this segment airs on the second Tuesday of each month on KAFM Community Radio. You can also listen to a podcast of today's show at kfmradio.org. I'm your host, Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host, David Ludlam. And we'll be back next month for another edition of CMU Now on the Community Affairs Hour.